Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline, he, the, it's going to be really weird for me to say this. It's a, the NHL on TNT right. is now a thing, and former Boston Bruin Anson Carter is a part of the group breaking down pucks on TNT. He's with us on the Harbor One Hotline with Gresh and Keith. Anson, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm doing well. And it sounds a little bit odd right now, but you better get used to it. You're going to have the NHL and TNT for the next seven years. Awesome. So uh, is Barkley already to, is, yeah. is Barkley already getting territorial down there in those Turner studios, or are they leaving you alone? <laughs> They're giving you some space. After you saw Chuck's performance in net, I don't think he wants anything to do with hockey for at least another couple of weeks. That's a good point. Yep, give true. him a little bit of a break from that. It was a good performance, though. Uh, but, Anson, curious, your, your outlook on this Bruins team, obviously no Tukarask, at least to start, no David Krejci, so some new guys, a lot of familiar faces, but uh, what are your expectations for the Bruins this season? You know, I, I think they're going to be right there in the mix. Uh, that Atlantic division is going to be tough. It, it's not going to be easy, but I like the Bruins team. As long as you have that perfection line still there with Pasternak, uh, Marchand, and also Bergeron, I think you have a chance. Like Those are the guys that are definitely driving that bus. I like Jeremy Swayman. I like the upside that he has in net for them. And Charlie Coyle. Uh, I like him down the middle. And then you got Charlie McAvoy in the back end. You know, signed that big ticket showing that the organization has a lot of faith in him and being a number one defenseman and really paying him and treating him that way. I look for, for, for McAvoy to take that next step to become an elite defense in the National Hockey League. And I think playing with the American Olympic team this year, I know he hasn't been announced as being part of that team. I'm almost positive that he'll be part of that team. I think you'll get a lot of experience playing with all those top elite American players in the Olympic tournament, which I think you're going to gain a lot of valuable experience to bring it back to Boston. Uh, you mentioned uh, down the middle. How important is that? It's always been important, but is it more important in today's game to have that strength down the middle, even if some of us back here in Boston don't love all of those guys after Bergeron? Yeah, it is super important, especially when you have a young goaltender. Because remember, your centerman is the first guy back to help out your D a lot of times in the defensive zone coverage. So when you have a young net miner still trying to find his way in the National Hockey League, you want to have someone like a Patrice Bergeron. You want to have a guy like Charlie Coyle that could shut it down, know exactly where to play, don't overthink it, don't over run around too much in his own zone. Because what happens when you've got a young player and they don't really feel comfortable in their own zone, they end up not trusting their teammates. And they try to do too much. And more often than not, you've got two players and one guy in the opposition, and that usually means one guy's left open. I know I wasn't a math major at Michigan State. You've got two on one. <laughs> that usually means one guy's open, and the puck's in the back of your net. <laughs> and so what was your reaction to the Linus Olmark signing this offseason by the Bruins? It was for four years, $5 million a year. I know it caught me by surprise because you knew Jeremy Swayman was the guy they were developing. He showed flashes last year. And he ends up getting the start game one. He's starting again tonight. And Olmark had a, a, a tough preseason. But it's a decent amount of money to, to give a guy and four years. It is. It is. But I've got a lot of faith in what Donnie Sweeney is doing there and Cam Neely. Uh, they haven't done anything in the past that's led me to believe that these guys don't know what they're doing. So I'm going to give uh, Sweeney like a lot of rope, former teammate of mine as well. Uh, but Olmark is a, a player that I think has gone under the radar a little bit. But if you know what you have talent-wise, I'm a big fan of locking those guys up and, and paying them. It doesn't make sense waiting and seeing. And he's played on some terrible Buffalo teams, too. Right. So you don't really have a, a real understanding what he is the netminder. So you put a player like Allmark um, 
you know, in front or behind uh, a better Boston Bruins team, I think you can see better goaltending. And then again, like I said, with, with Swayman being there, who I think is going to be able to handle a, a big bulk of that, um, of the games there in Boston, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with what they have in the pipes for the Bruins this year. Anson Carter of the NHL on TNT with Gresh and Keith. He joins us here on the Harbor One hotline. Um, I do, do, do we in Boston, maybe do people in the world of hockey, maybe take Bruce Cassidy for granted. It's almost like he, he's, he's never gets his nose dirty. He really doesn't say a ton, but he's very, very steady. How do you view Bruce Cassidy as the head coach of the Bruins? I think he's a great coach. He's one of the top coaches in the NHL for a reason. Even when the Bruins go through their stints with injuries, uh, you don't really see much of a fall off, uh, you know, from the way they play. And a lot of that has to do with coaching. Coaching is so understated in the NHL. And I really don't understand why that is because they determine um, a lot of not, a lot of the times whether a team gets in the postseason or not. Because there is injuries, there's so much parity. And if a coach has the real finger on the pulse of the room and he understands, you know, the players to play, the players not to play, what you need to say in the media to poke the bear a little bit, how you need to like pull back on certain players. I think those are the players that get the most out of their teams. And I think Cassie's done a tremendous job. I like coaches that have gone through it one time. Maybe they've gotten fired. And then they've had an opportunity to sit back and learn from their mistakes. And he's a way better coach than he was back in Washington. I, mean, I think anyone will tell you that. But he's taken the time to really study the league and play to his strengths and get better with his weaknesses. And I like his in-game adjustments also. So I'm not worried about you know, Coach Cassie there in Boston whatsoever. Now, you mentioned you were a teammate of Don Sweeney's. You were also a teammate of... Like 18, 19-year-old Joe Thornton, are, are you surprised that he's still out there at 42 and uh, you know, it doesn't look like his career is ever going to end? I am, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I remember there's, there's times I lived right in Longfellow Place, right next to it. It was called the Fleet Center back then, not TD Garden. Mm-hmm. But I remember Jumbo would call me in the afternoon. He's like, hey, so you want to come over and eat Pop-Tarts and play video games? I'm like, Jumbo, this is a National Hockey League. <laughs> like, I'm taking a nap. I'm trying to rest up here. But he just loved life. He loved playing the game. So I'm not that surprised mm-hmm. because he just enjoyed being at the rink. Just a happy-go-lucky guy. The sun was never, ever in the clouds when Joe was around. It was always sunny outside and tremendous weather outside whenever Joe was around. And he could have the worst day, and you couldn't tell. So I'm not that surprised at all. And when you have that kind of disposition, teams like to have that in your locker room. There's so much stress playing the National Hockey League. It's a grind for 82 games, a lot of ups and downs, uh, guys being in and out of the lineup. That You need to have veterans that have been through the wars that are able to put a positive spin on negative situations. And that's a, a big reason why Joe has been able to survive for so long. Not only that, but also be productive, too. Like He's never going to put up 100 points like he once did. But he's, all, he's a good, valuable teammate for veterans to be around, but also for young players to be around also. Anson, I want to give you a chance to wax poetic about Patrice Bergeron. And a lot like Bruce Cassidy, it's another guy that around here, we all love him. But if you don't have a trained hockey eye, I don't know if you appreciate a lot of the little things that this guy does. What is it about Patrice Bergeron that stands out to you that makes him so special? complete hockey player and he's never in a rush to to get through passing lanes you know speed is such a big key with hockey today that i watch a lot of players and they're open but they're in such a hurry to get from point a to point b they skate themselves into coverage almost like a wide receiver in football that might be wide open running you know 
uh, down the sideline, but then he cuts into the middle where all the coverage is. And he's not open anymore. So Bergeron has that, that, that uncanny ability to, to read the play, but also knowing to shut the engines down a little bit and take that quiet area. And it also helps to, to play with Marchand and also helps play at Pasta too. Those are two elite forwards. And I, I compare Bergeron to Andre Kopitar in L.A. The difference is Kopi doesn't have those elite wingers to play with. So he doesn't have to, you know, he's got to do a lot more than, than Bergeron does. So Bergeron is able to play off his winger skill set, but also now Marchand can do what he does best and get on the forecheck. And Pasta can do exactly the same thing. He can forecheck, but he's got the one-timer available. But you watch the way Bergeron plays the game, and he's so effective in that bumper position in the middle of the ice, especially in the power play, is because he's so smart. He's never in a rush to get to where he needs to go. The Buffalo Sabres are somehow 3-0 and without Jack Eichel. How do you think the Eichel situation is going to play out? I, I can tell you when you're in the room and, and you've got something like that happening, uh, it's a bit of a distraction, but when you get on the ice, you don't have to worry about it. I remember when I was in Boston, we had Bubba. Everyone was talking about Bubba getting traded. Ray Bork, as people don't know him as Bubba maybe, but when Ray Bork was getting traded, he didn't want out of Boston, but there was widely known that if given the opportunity to win a Stanley Cup, the Bruins were given that chance. I remember the media was always asking us about it constantly. Like, you don't want to talk about it, but you have to. It's like the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. And then finally when Bubba was traded, like, it was like a air out of the balloon a little bit. Like, we could exhale now. We could take over the room. And now we could take the lessons that we learned from him as a tremendous captain in our locker room. And now we have to take ownership of the room. And I feel like that's what Buffalo is doing right now. Jack's no longer in the room. So guys are getting an opportunity to say, why not us? Nobody's picking them to do anything. <laughs> so right. to get to that level, to play at the highest level, to play hockey, you have to have a lot of pride. And that's what I'm seeing right now. Can they maintain it? That's a big question. Because remember a couple of years ago, Boston started out, no, Buffalo started on fire. Right. The Sabres did. <laughs> and, then, and then they forgot yeah. <laughs> it's an 82 game schedule, not like a 10 game schedule, uh-huh. and they're terrible. So it's I, I, I like the start, but I'm still watching, and I'm really hesitant to really say this is a playoff team. Uh, Bubba for Ray Bork, <laughs> really? Like, did you, when, when you first heard that, were you like, okay, like, did did you think somebody was ribbing you and setting you up to like call him a, a fake <laughs> nickname? No, because Bubba's like 5'10", 5'11", like 220 pounds. So he looked like a Bubba. He was like thick. You know what I mean? The thick arms, thick legs, thick neck. So he looked like a Bubba. <laughs> I live in the South now, so we, we see a lot of Bubba's down here. So, oh. yeah, I wasn't that surprised. There's there's a lot of Bubba's. Different, yeah, different yeah. kind of Bubba's down there, no question. <laughs> now, I know that the hockey, I know for a lot of people, like we have Andrew Raycroft, right, who, who comes up, and they call him Razor, which makes sense. But isn't it really like you, you just add a Y to the first or the last name or something like that, and that's how the nicknames come up with in hockey? So what was your nickname? I had several nicknames. I was Ace. I was AC. I was Dan Tenanson. Uh Jumbo used to call me Puff, as in Puff. P. Diddy, Puff Daddy. Oh, I love Bad Boy man. Records. I love Biggie Smalls. So I've had a number of nicknames. Puff. <laughs> I, just, I just listen. As long as you didn't call me Anson, I was good because if someone's called me Anson today, it's either my parents or my wife. So oh, okay. Oh, wow. so we can call you Puff then? <laughs> you call me Puff. You call me, yeah. If you call me Puff, I think it's Jumbo's calling me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, AC? a good conversation about Bubba and yeah. Jumbo with Puff Carter <laughs> with us here on the NHL on uh, TNT. Anson, thank you for the time. We appreciate it. Hopefully, we have a lot of reason to uh, talk during the year. Thank you much. 
Of course, guys. Anytime. Appreciate you having me on. Thank, no, you. Thank you. That's good stuff there, Anson Carter. Very affable. Really good breaking down the game. I like. Uh, oh, definitely. And uh, yeah, Bubba. I don't know. Bubba, that. that's a. I wouldn't have guessed that. 